Thank you, team. Let's take your Bibles and go over to, guess, Colossians. I want you to find Colossians chapter 3, and I'd also like you to find Matthew chapter 7. I'll get to Colossians 3 in just a moment, but I want us to start at Matthew 7 this morning. I was reflective this morning that seven years ago today, Sue and I started our ministry at Dan River Church in Danville, Virginia. And two months ago today, we started our ministry at Fellowship Bible Church. And we are so, so very glad to be here. Um, I'm going to ask your, your patience with us today. Uh, just as soon as I wrap up our time together here, Sue and I and our daughter Kara and son-in-law John are going to have to slip out. We've got to be at a wedding, not mine, but we've got to be at a wedding in Millersburg, Ohio by 3 o'clock. So, um, well, yes, but I'm praying that we don't get picked up. So, you know. Matthew chapter 7. Take a look at verses 24 through 28, 29 rather. You're familiar with this story. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundations was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And it collapsed with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like no one. Who had had authority. He was teaching them like one who had authority and not like the scribes. How many remember that story? Michael, I want to know why we didn't sing that song that I learned in Sunday school in worship today. You remember that song? The rains came down, the waters came up. Yeah, we got motions, don't we? Uh, it's an amazing story that Jesus tells. And it's easy to connect those dots. We understand the foundation is Christ. We understand that it is obedience to the Word of God, to the will of God. And that Scripture is pretty clear that when we build our life upon the things of Christ, life stands more stable, doesn't it? But did you catch what the story tells us? A life on Christ doesn't mean that the winds won't come and the rains won't fall. It rains on the just and the unjust, as Ecclesiastes says. The exact same storm that came upon the foolish man fell upon the wise man. Now, why is he called foolish? Because he obviously had the opportunity to build on the same foundation, but chose to reject that of Christ, chose to reject that of Scripture, built on his own way and his own understanding. And notice that it says, and great was the crash. Just so you know. When you and I build our lives apart from Christ, 
And when it crumbles, and it will, it will not only affect your house and your life, but it will affect many of those around you. And some of you are a witness to that, aren't you? Some of you have experienced that in your life, in your childhood, and maybe in your adulthood. Today, my message title is Identity, Identity Matters. That's after about seven revisions of trying to come up with a title for this thing. I remember when Kara, who's with us today, so many times she and I would talk and I would say, remember your last name. Remember whose kid you are. And all I was trying to remember or remind her of is that she has a heritage and she has a testimony to uphold. But not only remember who you are and whose you are, but remember what you've been trained and the way you've been taught. Your identity matters today. Last week we talked about putting on new clothes. Our identity in Christ and what that looks like. And today I want you to see why those new clothes in Christ matter. The difference that it makes. Not only in your life, but in the life of the people around us. It may be on the screen beside me. It'll be on the handout in front of you if you have one. But this statement resonated with me this week. Our ability to persevere will be determined by the foundation we build and the instructions we follow. Catch that again. Our ability to persevere to withstand the storm and the wind and the rain will be determined by the foundation upon which we build that makes sense, right? How many of you would agree with me today that this, this country in which we live, the world in which we live, would be better if we'd go back to Christian values? Sure we do. But it's not a matter of just being founded upon Christian values. That's what America was founded upon. But this statement says, determined by our foundations and the instructions we follow. So it's not enough just to have a foundation, the Word of God, the personal work of Christ. It's not simply enough to know about it, but it must be essential that we actually practice what we believe. Practice what we preach, so to speak, right? You go, well, thank goodness I'm not a preacher. Oh, yes, you are. I'm not in this thing by myself. How many of you know Christ today as your Savior? Anybody got a witness in the room today? You're a preacher. Caught you before you cut your hand down, didn't I? You're a preacher. You are a living testimony to the Word of God. And I find interesting in the Matthew 7 parable that the wise man and the foolish man both are building a house. Did you catch that? You catch the wind, you catch the storms, you understand the foundations, but both are building a house. And maybe that's the picture that gives way to our text this morning. So go back with me over to Colossians. Someone asked me what I was preaching this week, and I told them the text, and they said, I'm going to go home and read it. I got a text from a little bit later and said... I don't envy you. 
Let's begin. Verse 18, chapter 3 of Colossians. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart, as something you've done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive your reward, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. Serve the Lord Christ. You may want to underline that in your Bibles. Serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Father, would you guard us today as we honor your word, as we try to surrender to your will. May the foundations of our life be firmly built upon your word, and may we be obedient to its instructions. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the word of God is inspired. Anybody else? I believe it's inerrant. Just so you know, we went from chapter 3 to the first part of, of chapter 4. Uh, verse numbers and chapter numbers are not inspired. I'd love to catch the guy that went, Hey, let's break that up and make that last verse, chapter 4. It all belongs together in one central thought. But did you catch what he's, he's talking about here? He talks to wives, then he talks to husbands, then he talks to children, then he talks to parents, then he talks to workers, and then he talks to bosses. This all weaves back into the social and the familial network of our lives. We all have families, and we all have a place to belong here in this workplace. And what you're seeing Paul doing now in this work of Colossians, he's moving from the deeply theological, where we've been in these previous two and a half chapters, really. And he's taken us more to the practical applica application of what we've learned. So if you believe that Christ is supreme and sufficient, do we agree on that, church? That's what the text says. We believe he's supreme and sufficient. Then if that's what we believe, it will impact our behavior. And it will impact your behavior as a wife and a husband, as a child and as a parent, as an employee and as a boss, as we'll learn in this text today. Last week, we talked about getting rid of vices and putting on virtue. Getting rid of those things which isolated us or, or caused us to no longer identify with Christ and put on the new clothes, that which marks us uniquely as Christ followers. As someone has said, where we live, where we work, where we play, where we shop, and where we go to school. In our whole surroundings. I want you to think about this. Christ wants you to look like Christ. Christ wants you to look like Him where you live 
That's your home, where you work, where you play in the community, where you shop, where you go to school. That pretty much surrounded everything, didn't it? Therefore, we don't have a way out of this thing, nor do, as Christ followers, should we ever want a way out of it. The redemptive work of Christ, that which Christ satisfied on a cross on our behalf, that redemptive work redefines our families and our society. Just my favorite word. Let that percolate for a minute. You know what the word percolate? How many of you, anybody coffee drinkers in here? The very best coffee you'll ever get is percolator coffee. I got up very early this morning and made my percolator coffee. You know what about a percolator is? It takes this water from the bottom. It brings it up, filters it through, and does it all over again until you get this most perfect blend of rich, hot coffee. My prayer for you and I today is that you will allow the Word of God to percolate in your life. Let it pull up, filter through, and do it over and over and over again until we look like Christ. Did anybody wake up this morning? I'm just curious if you did, all right? <laughs> Dramatic pause right there, huh? Did anybody wake up this morning and your first prayer when you put your feet on the floor was, Lord, make me a failure today? You know I never pray that prayer? I never have to pray, Lord, make me a failure, because I, I can do that all on my own. I do not need divine assistance with that. Nobody prays, Lord, help me to be a total washout today. Nobody prays, Lord, would you let my home just absolutely blow up? Help me to lose my job and my testimony. Has anyone ever prayed in their right mind, Lord, may you make my children today the most ornery that they've ever been? Nobody prays that. No, we want God's blessings on our home. We want success, don't we? We want to be successful in this life, in everything we do. So here's your first point. I want you to follow along with me, and we're going to anchor this back to what I think, and, and Michael helped me with that this week as well, is probably the key verses of our passage. But here's your principle this morning. Success. If you and I want to have success today, success is measured by submitting to the leadership of Christ and serving with his love. Does that make sense? If you want to be successful today, and we do, if we want to be right today, and we do, it will be accomplished by this idea of submitting to the leadership of Christ. What's the word submit mean? It simply means that I want something more and what I currently have. I want to be better than I currently am. I want to go further than I'm currently residing. I want to submit to the lordship, the leadership of Christ. And when I do that, I will serve others out of his love. Sounds like the great commandment, doesn't it? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second law is just exactly like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to know how you're doing at loving God, look at how you're doing loving each other. If you want to know how you're doing is submitting to the lordship of Christ in your life, look at how you're practicing his love to your family, to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your co-workers. You go, well, now, preacher, you're just meddling. Take that up with the Lord. That's not, that's not me. That's him. You hear this this morning? If you want to know, if you're looking for a metric of what does the love, my love of Christ really look like, how devoted am I, then just stop and do an evaluation of how you are interacting with those around you that you love the most. Because your love for Christ will impact your love for others. And you can turn that right around the other way. It says in verses 23 and 25, whatever you do, do it from the heart. Pay attention to that, underline that, highlight it, whatever you do. You know what the word whatever means, don't you? Whatever. Does that mean you should wash dishes like you're doing it for the Lord? Whatever. Do we really need to extrapolate out that word into every nuance and illustration of our life? You know it, don't you? You know how to apply that. Whatever it is we do. And you can, you can apply that to wherever it is that you live. To whomever it is that you are living with and doing life with. Live, work, play, go to school, shop. Whatever it is that you do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord, as if he is right here, as if he's the one to whom you are looking and paying attention to. See, I believe it is essential for you and I today to understand what the Word of God says so we can apply it to our homes, to our parenting, and to our workplaces. And would our country not be better if this is what we would really practice? That you and I would stop giving lip service to, yes, we believe in Christ, and yes, I go to church, and yes, I do this, but we are not building godly homes. As I mentioned, Sue and I are headed to a wedding this, this afternoon at 3 o'clock to a young man that I really think I should have claimed on my taxes for years. He grew up in our home. But I sent him a text this morning, and I sent him this very statement. As you learn to be a husband now, Learn how to do this as you submit to the leadership of Christ. And then you'll be able to serve Christian well. Katie well. I said it right, Katie. Folks, I'm going to have to hustle here. I know it. but We've all been in relationships, haven't we? Where we've not been loved well. Do you get a witness? Everybody's got them. And for some of us, we have a list of them. And some of us, it's past relationships that have impacted daily living. 
And for some of us, it's the nasty now and now that impact daily surviving. We've all been hurt. We've all been in relationships where people have not lived out the love of Christ and loved us well. And I meet plenty of people that will go, you know, because of this and because of that and because of this situation, I, I, just, I just don't trust anybody anymore. I don't go down that road anymore. I don't, I'm not going to yield myself to anyone any longer. And I take you back to this first point. If you want to have success in this life, and let me clarify that. What does success in this life really look like, right? That's wood, hay, and stubble. When we're talking about success, we're talking about living out the testimony and the glory of Christ on this earth. That one day when we are finished, we'll hear from our Father, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in, let's have a party, loosely translated, okay? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear, isn't it? How do you do that? By coming first to the Lord and going, Lord, whatever you ask, I'll do. I will submit to your Lordship first. And because I love you most, because I love you first, I will love other people that you bring into my life. Perfectly? No. But obediently and to the best that God allows us to today. If you notice that as we move through our text today, we're going to be talking about these, these various relationships in the homes and in the parents and childs and, and the workplace. And you're going to hear some words like submit. You're going to hear words like love, honor. Let me just submit this to you today at the very beginning. The roles that you and I have been given, husband, wife, dad, mom, parent, child, employer, employee, does not matter. The roles that you and I have been given today are specifically assigned to you by Him. That's your role, Mike. You got many of them. Those are your roles. And they're not only specifically assigned by the Father, but you and I are ultimately accountable to the Father for those roles. I get this unique opportunity my kids, our kids, they call Sue and I every day. Sometimes, many times a day. I got off the phone the other day, called Sue, and I said, well, I've talked to Nathan six times today. I love to talk to my kids. But one of the things that I, I often think in my conversations with them, not because I'm not proud of them, but I want and I have regrets as a parent. And go, don't I wish I had a day or two to do over? Right? Don't I wish I could do this a little bit differently? Sue has stuck with me for over 30 years. That's a lot. A year and a half into our marriage, she and I were headed for divorce. 
She was going for her lawyer and I was going for mine. God sustained us. But our marriage is just like your marriage. You understand that, don't you? When it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's tough. And this lady's had some tough days living with me for 30 years. I may be happy on the outside, but I sound angry on the outside sometimes. She's had a hard life. What am I trying to say to us today? Would you set aside where you've been? Would you set aside for a minute what has been imposed upon you and simply come before the Lord today, and we've done this before, haven't we? Come before the Lord today with open hands and simply go, Lord, I submit today to your leadership. So where you go, I will follow. And I will serve the people around me with your love. Because whatever you do, the text says, do it just like you're doing it for the Lord. Well, you want to get into the, the uh, my grown-up word, the icky part of the passage? Go to verse 18. I want you to write this principle down. Homes, homes are built where the love of Christ is shared in harmony. That's an important word, in harmony in the family. Godly homes, biblical homes, Christian homes are built where there is harmony in this home around the principles of Christ. Well, as you can imagine in today's culture, verses 18 and 19 cause all kinds of fire, don't they? Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, and husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. If you're going, that sounds familiar, it should. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and you'll see almost the exact same phrasing there that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. So before we stumble too far down the road here, as we address various roles and responsibilities, I just want you to understand we are identifying biblical roles and we are identifying the worth of every individual. Do you hear me? God is defining biblical roles and the worth, the value of every individual. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So you and I would agree today that we need to build homes that are established, the foundation on the instructions that God has put forth for the home. True? You go, well, I agree with that, Pastor, until you get to verse 18. You go, I don't submit to anybody. And our culture today will say that this is a, a term that's talking about women being less, and it couldn't be anything further from the truth. Ladies, can I say something to you today? Just as every other person in the world Genesis 1.27 applies to women as it does to men. We were created in the image of God. We are image bearers of the Most High. 
There is no hierarchy. Men and women today as Christ followers are co-heirs in the kingdom. So this is not a less than and this is not a, a to put under and this is not an abuse. And I'll say this right here, by no means does Scripture ever validate, does Scripture ever sanction abuse, nor does it sanction the dismissal of Scripture. Now understand this, if we want to have this verse right, we've got to have it right both ways. We can't simply say, well, I'm not going to submit... I'm not going to let that word rule my life because then you are ending God's instructions in our life. Now we're setting aside a part of Scripture. Any more than we can say that the word submit means that you are to be trodden under, you are to be held under, or to be abused. That would also be a misuse of Scripture, would it not? So what does this word really submit? What does it mean? This is so pretty. It's a voluntary offering. It's a voluntary offering of yourself to one another, willingly, <laughs> willingly. It's just, it is, do you remember the passage, it's one of my favorites, we read it a couple weeks ago, out of, of Philippians chapter 2, it says, Christ, who being God, did not consider it something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, submitting himself to the cross, even to the point of death on a cross. That's the word submit. Do you want to be like Christ? Do you think Christ submitted? Of course he did. He submitted and made himself subject to the will of the Father. The word submit simply means wives, respect, admire, and honor your husbands. And before you go too far down that line, some of you are going to say to me, but pastor, you don't know my husband. You don't know my husband. Lady came one time and she was a Christ follower. Her husband was not. She was asking us to pray for the salvation of her husband and we did. And it took, it seemed like years as I recall, but eventually this man got saved. And when he got saved, he stood up for the Lord. It was about six months as I recall after that, she came back into our office and she said, I want you to know that I'm leaving him. I said, what? She said, yeah. She said, I can't stand him. She said, he's all Christian-y now. She did. She did. She said, he actually wants to lead me in Bible study. He wants to teach me the Bible. I've been on the Bible longer than he has. It made her so mad. Listen, folks, does that not sound foolish? No more foolish than any time any one of us, whether man or woman, husband or wife, stands up before the Lord, puts our, our feet down, clenches our fist, and says, I shall not be moved. Do you know what kind of homes we would have if wives will willingly adapt? That's what the word submit means, adapt. You think, well, that's, that got, we got the short end of the stick. I don't think so. When you read the verse out of 
Ephesians 5, verses 20, 22 or 25, it says, and, and husbands, love your wives exactly like Christ loved the church. And he surrendered to death on a cross. What do we mean by all this? Before you get so far into this, as, as what does the love mean, what does submit, submit look like, what he's telling you here today, and we're going to talk more in a couple of weeks about the home, but what I want you to catch this morning is that God established the home. God created them male and female. And God said it's not good that man should live alone. And God made him a helper, a compliment, a helpmeet. He established the home to give the picture of the relationship to Christ. Should we submit to Christ? Talk to me, church. Should we submit to Christ? Then husbands and wives submit to each other. Yield to each other. Husbands, if you ever treat your wife as if she is less than, you are disobedient to the Word of God. You are out of line with the will of God. If you abuse her verbally and physically in any way, you are by no means functioning within the bounds of Scripture. Ever. I normally get a witness on that one. Yes. Ever. Under no circumstance. I've often said that I'm the head of my household. But my wife, she's the neck. And she turns that head everywhere where she goes. <laughs> Women, you're often the thermostat of the home. You set the temperature. Can I just encourage us this morning as husbands and wives to be devoted to building homes that live in harmony, founded on the foundation of the Word of God, and living out the love of God as we serve each other. Does that make some sense this morning? Watch this one. Number three, parents, your job is to cultivate hearts of Christ that nur and nurture children to be mature disciples. This may become as a newsflash to some of you, but it's not the church's job to teach your children about Christ. It's not the church's job that they grow up and accept Christ as their Savior. God gave them to us. It says in verses 20 and 21, Children, obey your parents. Oh, listen to this one. Don't we love this one, parents? <laughs> children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Listen to me. Don't cherry-pick the Word of God. Don't go, I love that verse, but I'm not too fond of the other ones. Take it all. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Why would he say to children, obey your parents in everything? Remember that verse, that line I asked you to underline in verse 24? Because you serve the Lord. When we teach our kids how to obey, we're teaching them how to be surrendered. We're cultivating a heart within them that one day will surrender their lives to Christ. And I, I just have to say this. I wish more parents taught their kids 
how to obey. If you want to see the show, go to Walmart, take a chair, set it down in the middle of the candy aisle or the toy aisle any given day, and watch all of earth come undone. We certainly didn't do everything right, but I was raised with the snap of a finger. I knew the next sound was thunder. I know when I just snapped my finger, Kara looked up. If Nathan is watching this online, he just stopped everything he did. Sue called Nathan a couple years ago, didn't get him and left a message and said, Nathan, this is mom. I need you to call me. And the boy tells the story today. He lived in absolute fear and panic because mom called and said, call me. This idea of children obeying parents, yes, it has the direct relationship of when children are under the authority and under the provision of the home. I obviously can't tell my children what to do today, although I try. I cannot force them to live, and they should not live just according to my values and, and, and provisions of the home anymore. They have their own homes. But this idea... And I'm just, I'm going to have to move quickly here. But this idea that once we get our children to 18, then we as parents are done, God forbid. I am accountable, not in the same way, but I am accountable for my kids until the day I die. My dad started a, a time together. Matter of fact, I thought about this. Some of you ought to join me on this, Okay. And if you want to, just go out on the Welcome Center, write down your name, give me your number, I'll text with you. But what our family started today, our family of 14, we started reading our Bible through the New Testament from now to the end of the year in three months. We're going to read three chapters a day. If any one of you want to track along with me, start in Matthew, read verses 1 through 3 today. Let me know. We'll do this together as a church. Our family is doing this together. Why? Because we believe that parents both of little children and adult children, it does not really matter. Our role as parents is to cultivate the heart of a disciple and the heart of discipline within our children. And as fathers, as moms and dads, this isn't just, just dads only. This is as parents. Do not frustrate your children in such a way that they cannot follow Christ. Do not frustrate, frustrate them in such a way that they will not surrender. And let me give you this last one. This one's not easy either, is it? Work. Workers labor as if Christ is the master. Anybody uh, punch out early on your time card? Anybody on salary and just show up late? Anybody take a little bit longer on your lunch break than you're supposed to? You go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, according to Scripture, what he says here, slaves or workers, obey your human masters, your bosses in everything. Do not work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Your work is done as if it's done for the Lord. 
So who wants to punch out early today? I mean, really. Who wants to just go ahead and punch the clock when I showed up? I got my time in at church today. You're going to do it in the marketplace, you'll do it here. You're doing it in the home. We want to come before the Lord and go, Lord, everything I have, I surrender it back to you. I want to be a godly man and woman. Anybody in the house today? I want to be a godly man and woman. How about husbands and wives? Anybody? Husbands and wives in the room today go, I really want our home. I want our relationship as a husband and wife to give honor and glory and testimony to, to the Lord. I want our children and our grandchildren to see Christ at work in our relationship. I want people around us to actually think we love each other and like each other. Any parents in the room that long to have that relationship with your kids and go, you know, that, I think that's already sailed for me. And watch God redeem the time. And come back and pray to the Lord, Lord, would you restore what seems to be broken? Anybody here today just want to continue walking in joy and fellowship with your kids? Raising them to be like Christ? How about where you work? How about at the end of the day that no praise, no, no accommodations given throughout the company, but you know that when you walk out the door, you work for the Lord today? I remember years ago, I was in a bivocational role in ministry, and this friend of mine who was a bit of a smart aleck, can I say that in the pulpit? He had gotten out of school and went into full-time ministry, and he called me one day, and he said, Hey, I thought you were going to do something for the Lord. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, yeah, I mean, you're only in it part-time. And he elevated his full-time status of employment above my part-time status in the church. And I remember a man so wisely saying to me, everything you do is ministry. It doesn't matter who writes the paycheck. It's all ministry, and it all counts. So whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Let's go back to Matthew 5. I'll be done. Sermon on the Mount. I hope to preach this text sometime in the year of 2024. The greatest message ever preached. When you go to chapter 5 of Matthew, verses 13 through 16, again, a very familiar passage of Scripture. It says that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Here's what I want you to see. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The lamp gives light to the house. The light impacts everybody in the house. I wrote to this young man this morning that's getting married this afternoon. 
May the Lord establish your home as a city on a hill that cannot be hid. May He establish your home today as a city on a hill. Husbands and wives, right here, look at me. Husbands and wives, commit to the Lord today. We will be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. We will let the light of the gospel shine forth. Is that good? Hey, children, young people in the room, how about it? I'll be a city on a hill in my home, in my relationships, in the way I obey my parents. Hey, parents, want to be a city on a hill today? I'm watching this young guy right here. Man, I'd love to have some of those days over. City on a hill. If you're not retired, you're going to work tomorrow or today. City on a hill. Why? Because identity matters, doesn't it? Who you say you are needs to show up in all of your relationships, in the homes you build, the kids you parent, and the jobs you serve in. Father, it's just not easy some days. And yet, you make a way. And your grace and your mercy is sufficient. And you don't call us to anything beyond where you equip. So may FBC be the, the place today where husbands and wives and moms and dads, employers and employees come back together and build a house on your foundation following your instruction. And may we do it until you come back and take us home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.